0: Howdy, howdy, everybody. This is Jared Sterrett, and you're listening to KZCC LP 106.1 Conroe and KZCWLP 104.5 in Conroe and worldwide at OurLonestar.com. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. We are Texas licensed attorneys, and we are here to help you. This is a public service. And, you know, I think our show today about cheat sheets at trial and representing yourself in traffic court and as a pro se, you know, we call pro se uh, a litigant. A pro se litigant is someone who's representing themselves. Yes. And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to take the, uh,
1: I guess, the mystery out of representing yourself in court or being able to, uh, I guess, double check your own attorney about some things because there's a lot of words that they use in, in uh, on TV and on the law shows that mm-hmm. it just sounds so scary and, uh, you know, laying the foundation and hearsay and uh, you know, uh, admissibility issues and
0: uh, what objections, have, how to make objections, what that even
1: means. So many people end up in traffic court or in um, in divorce court or in uh, uh, eviction court that mm-hmm. are trying to represent themselves because attorneys are really expensive and they learn about it at the last minute or you know, time's gotten past them. And, and they're like, I can do this. And they get stumped because they don't know some of the little rules that attorneys know. And then an attorney is going to charge you between 250 and $700 an hour for something that is just simply a matter of not understanding the lingo, like not going to to Mexico
0: and not knowing Spanish,
1: right? So we're gonna take some of the mystery out of that
0: today. Yeah, I'm excited about it. <clears throat> okay, Tony. So, where do you want to get started? You, you get a ticket, right? You get a ticket. Well, t- you get um, you're, you get a ticket,
1: and you are you got an eviction notice, or you're the person that needs to evict, or what is just the one I get all the time is you got served with divorce papers with a temporary restraining order hearing set, and it scares the, you know what, out of whoever got it because they haven't been in court before. And it's, it's bad enough you're scared because you got a ticket, are you are in having a bad served. you're in a bad spot in your marriage and it's mm-hmm. it's a surprise to you. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows it's a surprise when there's a policeman coming up behind you, giving you a ticket, particularly um if you haven't really done anything wrong. I've done that so many times where where I've just had and I haven't gotten the ticket either, but they'll stop you because I've had the uh, the mirror, my rear view mirror on me <laughs> because I'm checking, but you know, I don't put it back in place. So I'm not aware there's a policeman behind me, and this has happened. A number of times, and they just pull you over for whatever, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not a bad situation. Usually I don't get a ticket because I'm law-abiding. And like you were saying, um, you rarely get tickets. But yeah. um, I had a guy, uh, just a couple of examples of what we're going to go over today. Um, I had a client that said, oh, I'm in, I'm, I've am I'm. i got a ticket. Do you, can you represent me? And I hate traffic court because it's, not, it's like the lowest level of low courts. There's mm-hmm. so many people there. If you yeah. do choose not to just you know, take the guilty and do everything by mail um, because you're not guilty. You're sitting in court for a long time. You've got to be there on time. They don't treat you very well. It's just a low-level court. And um, like we were talking about earlier today, you were saying you never get tickets or when you do get them, like for some of your family members, you just handle it over the phone or over the internet because it's just easier. And I'm the person that says, or the attorney, if you didn't do anything wrong... Uh, go fight it! Don't mm-hmm. um, don't buckle under and just put money into the public dole if you didn't do anything wrong. And I'm talking about when a police officer says you roll through a stop sign and it's in your subdivision, like you know, 50 feet from your house. Right. Uh, that you're not. You're, this, there's no injury or danger. Or anybody rolling through a stop sign that probably shouldn't be there to begin with. Although I'm saying don't roll through stop signs. Right. Right. But when you're getting a ticket for something like that in your subdivision, you're right by your house. That's kind of dumb. And then, um, or it's not justified. And then, um, like, another one that came up was uh, my friend, uh, uh, my friend, all my clients are my friends, he was going down the street. Uh, let me just rephrase that. He was driving down the freeway, and a car in front of him tried to dodge something in the road in order to not hit that car that came into his lane. He had to go into another lane, and he ended up hitting the median on the freeway. Oh. And um, and so he pulled over because... Um, I think it gave him a flat tire. He actually, it wasn't, he slowed down enough, but it still flattened his tire. Right. Well, a policeman gave him his ticket for uh, uh, unsafe lane change. Oh, it was, and so he called me, says, I'm, I'm at trial. I did what you said. I I went up there, and I, I, I told him that I was going to plead not guilty, and I wanted a trial, and the officer's here, and what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not even in town. I can't go help you. And I said, I said, uh, tell me about what happened again because I knew it was dumb. He said, no one saw anything. I said, okay, so I walked him through like we're going to walk through today mm-hmm. um, what he needed to do. And they ended up dismissing the case on Friday because they didn't have any evidence. Yeah. So the bottom line is if you're not guilty, you're going to be aggravated if you put money into the dole of, mm-hmm. the, of the city or the county. And also
0: it goes on your record, too. Uh, yes, it goes on your yeah. record. Another
1: point, in fact, my um, stepdaughter got a ticket for not having insurance, and she had insurance. We know this because— We pay her insurance. But she didn't go to court and show them that she had it, which gets it dismissed. Instead, the person on the phone just said, pay the the ticket. She ended up getting a $3,000 fine from the DPS for not having insurance because she pled deferred in court. So people do not, just like everything else in life, do not plead guilty to something you didn't do. You have to fight it or it's going to come back to get you. And right. But you don't want to pay an attorney a lot of money to do it if you listen to us and we tell you how to do it for free and represent yourself. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, so it could be that... You got a ticket and the police officer didn't see anything. You got a ticket and it was just rolling through a stop sign, you know, two feet from your house. You got a ticket for not having insurance when you did have insurance. Mm-hmm. You got a ticket for not having a license when you have a license. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another guy that has been forever trying to evict this lady that is staying in his property over in um, Huffman or, I don't know, someplace in Montgomery County. I'm not sure if Huffman's in Montgomery County, but, but I can't remember the location. But he's been doing it on his own and doing very well. But she is using long-star legal aid and all these free services to dupe the system. Oh, poor pitiful me. I don't have any money. When really, she's just living there for free. Oh, and goodness. every time he gets her evicted in JP court, she appeals it for free over here in county court. And that's when you need to ask what you need to do. And that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: All right. Okay. So... Um, you know, before we get started, I, I just kind of want to highlight something that you said that I think is interesting. I, you know, with my clients, a lot of them because they don't want to pay attorneys' fees, and as far as attorneys go, I don't charge. You know, I mean, you said two hundred and fifty to seven hundred dollars mm-hmm. an hour. That's absolutely true. Right. And I'm and in re- divorce
1: court, when you're talking about the attorneys that know the judges and pay the campaign contributions so they get their way if there's some question. And in a divorce, there's always something on the fence. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, he said, she said all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, They're charging you, and we know this because we have a, a lot of clients that are also our listeners, Up to $700 an hour and they can pretty much rob you because, and it's really bad because we're attorneys, but we don't charge $700 an hour because I don't think brain surgeons charge $700 an hour when it's so simple and we're going to try to, you know, cut to the chase.
0: Right. And so one of the things that you said I want to highlight as we go into this discussion is that. You need to be educated and aware so that you can know what your attorney is doing. Mm -hmm. And you know, Tony and I don't know if you said it on the show or it was before when we were talking about it. A lot of times, you get an attorney to just go in because it's the legal language and they understand it and they go speak for you. They've been like an interpreter. It's just like
1: going to a foreign country and what they say, "When in Rome, do like the Romans or act or whatever." Mm -hmm. And um, but in court, it's a certain language. It's Mm -hmm. a certain protocol. And, mm-hmm. and the attorneys that have done a few times know it. Even different courts around the county, they are a little different, but for the most part, it's the same type of stature. And um, it's not that difficult, and we're going to uncover that.
0: So keep your eye on and, and understand what your attorney's doing, what they're saying, what they're doing, particularly and keep your because, eye on them. And I know where you're going with this. You
1: are held responsible for what your attorney does. Right. So you can't say when you go to court, Well, my attorney told me to say that, or I just went with what my attorney said. If your attorney doesn't file something on time, or if they give you bad advice because it's easier for them, or maybe they just made a mistake, you are held completely responsible for what your attorney does. You Mm -hmm. can't say, well, my attorney told me to do this, so I did this. And a lot of bad people try to use that to get out of fraud, Oh, you know, um, I uh, like in bankruptcy, well, I signed the bankruptcy schedule because my attorney told me to, but I didn't know what I was signing. Oh, no, there is case law up, through, up and down the Supreme Court and the Fifth Circuit, because we're talking about federal cases right now, but the same thing applies to state court uh, and, and, you know, county courts, city courts, what have you. Um, it, if you sign something, you are held accountable like a contract for what you sign. You better know what you're signing. And if your attorney tells you to do sign something, and it's not what you want, you're going to be held liable for that. That's so and true. That doesn't. A lot of times, people will say they didn't know what they were signing, and the attorney completely explained it to them. Mm-hmm. So it kind of cuts both ways. But yeah. for our listeners, we're going to assume you're all good,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> God-fearing mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. know that we're we're. This is just a blip in the eye of eternity, and that the most important thing is to be truthful and to help others to do the right thing. That um, we're going to help guide you to understand that it could be that your attorney just made a mistake Mm -hmm. because they didn't know the facts, all the facts. That's why you need to communicate with your attorney very much
0: before going to trial. Or um, you need to know what they're charging you for. Correct them if they're wrong. Okay, absolutely. So uh, somebody gets a ticket. They uh, decide they want to represent themselves. Let's just talk about if they want to represent themselves, and then you can base. That was what kind of got us going on Uh this today was traffic court.
1: Yeah. Because... You know, you can get a deferred. Uh, they you usually pretty much even say in the ticket, particularly in small towns. If you're traveling, in Texas is so large, mm-hmm. you're going across the state, you get stopped in some small county, and their mm-hmm. their revenue base is stopping people going through. You know, with the the speed limit changes, like every 10 feet. Or I something. know, I know. So what do you do? Well, it's easier not to have to drive back up there or hire an attorney in that that area to just um, to sign off on and get the deferred, so that you don't have. To, it, it costs you less. To just plead out than it does to hire an attorney the problem you have again is that if you do a deferred if you don't do it right you may end up with a dps moving charge right that's the first thing mm-hmm. or it may be that uh, you do want to fight it mm-hmm. because it's, it's a little bit more expensive than you had expected and so let's just say that it's not something some podunk town you know tiny county that's uh i don't want to say podunk but let's just I'm going to use Shenandoah as an example. Everybody knows that's a speed trap. Mm-hmm. Nothing against the people that live mm-hmm. in Shenandoah, but it is. But uh, but that's how that, that's their revenue source. That's how uh-huh. they stay in business. That little area right there off the feeder off for, on 45, mm-hmm. coming up by Michaels and all the bars and stuff there, and mm-hmm. the speed limit's 45, and you know everybody's trying to get to where they need to go, and mm-hmm. no one's everyone's going 60 miles an hour, but the police officer is waiting for you around the corner and comes out, you get a ticket, okay? Right. And uh, okay, so let's say that you weren't speeding and there's no way that the officer could have known that you were speeding because of the position he had, his radar gun wouldn't have worked. It's like a T, right? Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about radar guns are, uh, I guess there's light and there's, um, there's sound reverberation. There's different types of radar that can get you on. Um, And you want to fight this ticket because you weren't speeding. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I will say just right up that uh, there's volunteer judges in, in Shenandoah. I learned this because we did a, I actually did a trial there and um, it's really hard to beat the rap if you're going to get a jury of your peers in Shenandoah because the people that live in Shenandoah, the people that show up for jury duty, are going to be aligned with the government mm-hmm. from them because they're law-abiding citizens and they're showing up, right? Right. Um, so it's really hard to beat a speeding ticket um, if every, it, unless you've really looked at it. And what you want to do, uh, uh, let, uh, and now I'm going toward, I, I'm going, to, I'm gearing this toward going to trial. You, you've gone in and you don't want to pay the deferred amount because you don't want to be under driving well, when record. When you say deferred, Tony, w- explain to our listeners what you mean by that. Okay, so every, I'm pretty sure uh, if you're not just a teenager and this hasn't, you know, happened before, most people have gotten a ticket, okay? Mm-hmm. And you get that, that, that uh, they, they've got now, they've got like a little computerized thing they generate, uh, like, almost like a, a square, I guess. They generate a little ticket that looks like a, a receipt at uh-huh. Michael's. And... Um, the first thing everybody needs to know that you need to sign that to show up when you're going to appear for court, or when you would show up if you didn't do it through the mail. If you don't sign that, if you have got a snarly officer, by law they can arrest you because you're not signing it, saying you're guilty. You're signing the ticket, saying you will appear. You're yeah. So you're in receipt. The police officer shows up, and this is where things get way out of control. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but if they stop you and then they decide they that you're gonna they they don't like you for whatever reason, you've rubbed them the wrong way. And I don't believe that there's not quotas. I've talked to so many officers that say there's not, but it doesn't make any sense when we get people with DWIs and they shouldn't have never been arrested. Mm-hmm. They should not have ever been arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this is where things kind of get out of control. We've seen it on on this the viral YouTubes where all of a sudden guns are drawn. Oh and, yeah. It's and terrible. a lot of times you have bad people that should be. Uh, apprehended. But on the other hand, I would say the majority of the time the officer stops you and it just kind of rolls out of control. Yeah, so I mean, still, shooting at someone just for
0: running, you know, I don't... Oh, yeah. That's oh, my ridiculous. Gosh. There was just yeah. something
1: that was recent. Um, I can't remember where I read it, where uh, I guess it was a trial or something where the lady was saying that she shot... It was recent. It was in the Chronicle. Um, oh, oh, yes. It was an eviction case. It was just in the Chronicle where this guy, he was... I looked him up. He was a, he owned a, I think he was a physical trainer. He owned a gym. Uh, He looked like a great guy. I mean, he looked like somebody that you would be friends with and you'd invite to your daughter's wedding or something. Mm -hmm. Um, He ended up shooting this tenant in the back twice and, and in the head six more times or something. It was just ridiculous. And he used the he said it was self defense, yeah. and obviously it wasn't. No, but that was his defense, and his bond was only 30,000. Wow, and it was like that was that's true murder, that can't be self defense if you shoot somebody in the back. And he was mad because the guy wouldn't pay his rent. I mean, obviously, and so I'm yeah. just thinking, who does this guy know? Crazy, but it's it's crazy. But that that's I'm going to weigh right. off my attention here. Okay, that has so to do with we, okay. we get pulled so over, you get pulled over. Um, the officer stops you. The only thing that you're responsible for doing when the officer stops you is for giving them. Quietly, you don't have to answer any questions. Is hand them your ID and your um, your insurance, the mm-hmm. an ID and insurance to show that you know uh, you know you're legally driving and you've got your driver's license. Whatever. A lot of people don't even have that, but you've got to ID yourself whether you're in your car or not. If an officer stops you, you have to ID yourself. You're not responsible for answering any other questions. You don't have to tell them where you're going. You don't have to. If they ask you to get out of the car, generally it's a good idea. If they ask you to get out of the car to do so, but you don't have to give them permission to, to permission to search your car. Really, less is more. Okay. The main thing is you only have to give them your ID. You have to. If they give you a ticket, to sign the ticket. You don't have to give you a field sobriety test. You don't have to give them anything else. But if they give you the ticket, that's where we're going with this. And let's say that they gave you a ticket for something like rolling through a stop sign. Right. And even though it's in Shenandoah, rolling through Mm -hmm. a stop sign. And you don't want, you know that you didn't roll through a stop sign. If you did, it was just, you felt like you were being targeted because it it was ridiculous. They even did this. Yeah. You can't talk your way out of it. Obviously, if they stopped you... They're not you're not gonna talk your way out unless you know the officer or you're very polite and they just wanna give you a warning like the officer that we knew that stopped me. He mm-hmm. was like, uh, you went too fast past me. You know, I was here, you're in the same lane, you're supposed to slow down twenty miles mm-hmm. per hour lower than the speed limit. You mm-hmm. know, he was just being nice to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to talk my way out of it. I just he was it was a legitimate stop to let me know I was doing something wrong and he gave right. me a notice. All mm-hmm. right. Um, that being said, you get the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't now you've got to show up for court. Now what? Um, do you, you've got some options and you're asking what deferred is. Mm-hmm. One of them is you can call the court, especially in smaller counties, and you can ask that you, let's say you really did it and you know you did. You were speeding or you, you really rolled through a stop sign or it was something that you just want to pay the ticket and get done with. You can ask, uh, one of the big options is to do a deferred where you plead guilty, but you they will defer your guilt if you pay a fine and within 30 days, generally, if it's a traffic ticket, you don't do um, anything else, breaking the law, and um, you sign off on it. So they get some money. You, they don't have to go to court. You've acknowledged your guilt. There, it's not going to be on your record if you plead deferred, and every, everybody's good. The problem with that, if you plead deferred to say, well, deferred, will not, it won't show up in your, your driver ticket because it gets mm-hmm. dismissed. It just right. shows active, and then all of a sudden it's dismissed. There's a distinction between deferred and pleading guilty. Though, if you plead guilty to not having um, your your insurance or your driver's license, and you do, and you're just trying to get over, you know, get rid of it, you think you're ple- pleading deferred, but you're not. You've got to be really careful because it's going to be reported to the DPS, right. and you're going to get this surcharge, and you're not going to know about it for a year, and then suddenly it's going to be like, what do I do? Well, if that happens in that case. You contact the DPS to tell them, hey, I have insurance. Here's my proof of that insurance, but you have to show you the insurance at the time mm-hmm. or okay, had my license at the time. It takes a little bit more work, but the DPS will reverse the charges on okay. something like that. Okay. All right. And I know
0: that we just got Yeah, this we're gonna take a break. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about uh representing yourself in trial. Which we haven't even gotten to. <laughs> yeah, but we're we're going to, we're getting there. Yes. Uh, we're talking about representing yourself in trial. We're gonna take a quick break. And we will be right back with a legal connection with Tony and Cheryl. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Marty Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit slash Conroe Culture.
1: Lone Star Boxer Rescue is a nonprofit organization serving Montgomery County and surrounding areas, dedicated to the health and well-being of the boxer breed. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is run and managed 100% by volunteers since 1999. Our main objective is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome boxers that come to us from many sources, including local animal shelters, owner surrenders, and strays. For more information about Lone Star Boxer Rescue, visit our website at lsbr.org.
0: 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less
1: acres and environmentally Find out more online at
0: pathetheplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about representing yourself, what to do in traffic court. Uh, and also, we want to educate you so that you can know, I mean, if you do go through that process of getting an attorney, you can understand what the attorney's doing and well, not just traffic court, any court, but right now we're kind of focusing on traffic court because that's
1: the primary place where if you're going to hire solo and solo or some traffic ticket place, you're almost paying the same amount that that you would if you paid the fa- the deferred and you'd be in the same place. Um, but I will get this with traffic court. If you have an attorney, you're in there and out of there really quick because they give deference to attorneys. You, you sign in and get in there and you That's don't have true. to wait.
0: Mm-hmm. But um,
1: on the other hand, like I had helped another client of mine to walk through his own trial uh, on last Friday because I simply couldn't be there. I was going to be on the And he was on
0: trial for what? He
1: was on trial for um, unsafe lane change. and I Oh, to- he's the guy who hit the media. Yeah. And I told him, I'm like, look. Um, you're not guilty of an unsafe lane change because you should never have gotten a ticket. There was no witnesses. There's no evidence. And he goes, oh, no, there was a guy that called in. He said the police officer showed up after I was parked waiting for the tow truck to come get me to help because I didn't want to change my tire on the feeder, you know, or not on the feeder, but on the... That lane in the on the freeway that's dangerous, and he said they gave me a ticket for unsafe lane change, and I'm like, and that's expensive. The ticket's like three hundred dollars, and and I was like, no, you're not going to do that. I said you're going to go to trial. Or you're going to ask for a continuance so I can be there mm-hmm. because I would I would go to trial for him on something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, but I said they don't have any evidence. So I explained to him how it works. Usually the prosecutors in the traffic court they're usually new. They're not like right. you know seasoned racehorse Haynes kind of guys mm-hmm. or anything. That's where they get their. Everyone has to rotate in. They have to pay their dues and do traffic court. Nobody likes that. Mm-hmm. That's not why you go to law school, to go to traffic court and be a right. prosecutor there. Right. And they're usually pretty nice, and they'll work with you, and they're really busy. And when they know when people are setting it for trial, because everyone here to do that, that they're going to have a lot of trials, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I said, set it for trial. And he said, well, and so um, he called me goes, well, my officer's here, so they're not going to dismiss it, and they're ready to go to trial. And I said, I said, Well, you, this, I'm gonna guide you on how to represent yourself right now. Mm -hmm. So, you go in there and you either get a continuance, because I'm not there, they'll probably give it to you, or you ask to see your evidence. And even though you're sitting it for the first time, I said, "There's not going to be any evidence that anyone saw anything, and the person that called in didn't see what you saw on the road. And if you need to pick a jury, I'm going to help you do that too." Okay. Mm-hmm. So at least he had me. I was going to help him. I was kind of on the phone with him, but he said basically, when he went in, the prosecutor said he was going to say we're going to set up a trial. They weren't going to wait on me, and the officer said he, they were going to too. And I said, "All right, I'm going to give you um, how to represent yourself, attorney. You know, a trial one hundred and one on your own." I said, "You're going to get in there." And um, and you're going to ask to see the evidence and you're going to tell the prosecutor basically that there, that there is no evidence that can be admitted because no one saw anything but him. So everything is hearsay. Which but is what the we're driver, e-
0: even not the police officer. Police
1: officer saw nothing. Yeah. They had somebody that called in. Saying um, that it was maybe the guy that was that created the accident. For yeah, all we know, right. there was an, an unsafe land change. Now, of course, I wasn't there either. Maybe my client was not telling me the truth. Mm-hmm. But he said that nobody saw anything, and I was like, okay, he's already had enough misery with the damage to his car and insurance yeah. and the tow truck and all that stuff. Why is he now having to pay you know a fee to? Um, I forgot what town it was. So um, it was somewhere off of two ninety. So he said ultimately. Um, that that he was able to get it dismissed because he stood up for himself. He right. said, I'm going to go in there. He goes, he was all dressed. I told him how to dress for trial, very polite on, on uh, how to pick a jury. I said, you're going to get three strikes. You, the first three that you, they're going to get, you want people that aren't, you know, have police officer, you know, uh, relatives that are going to be aligned with the, the county or the state or whatever. But anyway, I gave him sort of the, 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 the few steps he needed to know to pick a jury but I said it's all common sense mm-hmm. just look at the people there if it's somebody is that doesn't look like they like you and they were the first six people just you can t- get rid of them but it can't be for you know racial reasons or anything like that but mm-hmm. but you can get rid of three people and then for, and so I kind of gave them the lowdown on that but the bottom line was they didn't have any evidence uh, that was how I got another case dismissed where my guy was in jail for the last year if there's no evidence against your client are you mm-hmm. then they they cannot in a criminal trial they're not going to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt no matter what but the point we're going to get to today now hopefully is that you have to know how to present yourself in court and how to assert that that is hearsay or if they try to bring in the offense report or the police officer's words, they can't say that because it's hearsay. It's an out of court statement to prove the truth of the matter matter asserted Mm -hmm. and they weren't there. Mm -hmm. So it's not admissible. They have no admissible evidence. Okay. So that being said, um, introducing exhibits, the, um, the prosecutor in a criminal case and even in a divorce case, or uh, we're, we're talking a, a criminal case, is a ticket. Even though it's a low level, it's a, a Class C. Um, this also applies to divorce court, temporary restraining, uh, uh, temporary injunction hearings, introducing exhibits. The person that's presenting the case has got to present evidence, and then you get a chance to rebut that. But mm-hmm. before they get it in, you have to be sure that that you object. So it's on the record. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing you want to do is you want to make sure you have a record. If you're in J.P. court, a lot of times they won't let you have a record. And what is a record? A record is a recording, an official recording of what is being said so you can appeal it. Okay? Mm-hmm. If there's no record, then then you don't have anything other than maybe a witness in court to say what happened. And these small J.P. courts, like uh, the J.P. Court 3 over here in the Woodlands, at least when they had... Um, Judge uh, Conley, E.D. Um, e. Conley, mm-hmm. um, she ha- was a court without a record. Oh, so really? I had trials there, and she said, you may not have a phone recording. You may not have a court reporter. She would not let you have a record. So that's pretty bad. But the good thing is, is if you lose in J.P. court, you can, uh, without a record, you can always appeal it if you do it timely over
0: to a county court. So you won't get a And wrong they'll deal. have a record there.
1: And it's important. And that's
0: the court reporter, guys. That's the person sitting there. Yeah. are um, you can actually have a record with
1: your phone these days if you wow. can record it and have a notary there that will yeah. authenticate it and mm-hmm. people raise their right hand and swear to the truth, which the judge is going to do. Mm-hmm. The problem is if she's telling you can't have it, you can still have that. She's mm-hmm. not going to know you're recording it. You don't have to tell the judge you're recording it if you're not an attorney. Mm-hmm. But um, just remember that too. That recording is really important and you can get it transcribed by transcribers and use it later. But the main thing that you want to go to JP court on that is if you have like a public intoxication, because that's something that goes against your moral character or maybe a theft from the mall. Those are, th- those are charges that go against your good character because there are crimes uh, uh, that show moral, moral uh, against moral turpitude mm-hmm. and those can come in later in different trials are against you. So those are the times when you really have to fight it. Crimes against moral turpitude, crimes that are attacking your character. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, you don't plead guilty to those. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get it deferred, or mm-hmm. you know, call us. You know, right. or you give us a, a you know a, a Facebook shout out, and we'll mm-hmm. kind of walk you through it. But you know what? You want to make sure that you don't have that on your record.
0: Now, um, okay. So you want to talk about introducing exhibits? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what you do? Uh, you have an exhibit. Um, Say for example, I mean, what kind of exhibit would your your uh, client have uh, his driving record?
1: Um, let's say uh, let's say that you got hit with a public intoxication charge mm-hmm. by a snarly officer. who was working at the Woodlands, mm-hmm. and you were walking um, from the uh, concert over at the uh, pavilion over to your uh, hotel, and they stopped you. Uh, for public intoxication. Well, clearly that's an improper ticket because if you're going to your hotel room and you have people with you that can walk you to your hotel room, even the hotel security, you know, guards there, which is probably what they were, mm-hmm. just off-duty secure, uh, security. Um, then you should never be arrested for something like that because th- there's a lot of rules about public intoxication. Uh, if you have something, it's only for your own safety. You're, you right. know, you're safe if somebody's helping you. Mm-hmm. So let's say you got a ticket though and you're arrested. And mm-hmm. it's ruined your day. And this is, and it's really important that you have nothing on your record because you're a CEO of a corporation or something, right? Mm-hmm. So you, let's say that somebody was videotaping it. Mm-hmm. That's an exhibit that you want in that will exonerate you. Mm-hmm. So how do we get that videotape in that shows what
0: really happened, not what the officer said happened? Right. Well, so we would call as a witness the person who was videotaping mm-hmm. us being helped down the street by a security mm-hmm. guard or something like mm-hmm. that. We would uh, give the videotape to the court reporter, and let's say they've already downloaded it as a, a, you've already got this downloaded onto a little onto thumb USB. drive. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you hand it to the court reporter to mark for identification, mm-hmm. or you can have it marked before trial. Mm-hmm. You hand the exhibit, the thumb drive, to opposing counsel, and then to the witness that's on the stand, mm-hmm. right? You lay the foundation for admissibility. This is how you do it. You ask the witness questions sufficient to establish, identification and authentication, relevance, hearsay exclusion or exception, and best evidence rule. So, okay, so what does an that example, mean in real words? Right. <laughs> um, you ask the witness questions like, uh, do you recognize this thumb drive? They would mm-hmm. say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- how do you recognize this thumb drive? They would say, well, it's the thumb drive that I put my... Uh, my video on that I took of you. Uh Uh-huh. And they're authenticating
1: what it is so that there won't be an objection to, I don't even know what this is. I've not seen it before whatever. Mm -hmm. And generally, you've let the prosecutor, unless it's for impeachment, which is just another word of saying, I can prove you're a liar. Mm -hmm. um, Unless it's for impeachment purposes, you've usually probably already told the prosecutor, I've got this Mm -hmm. evidence showing. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully the prosecutor has enough sense to look at it and say, well, "I'll lose if this—if you can get this in." That's why mm-hmm. you have to know how to get it in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, right. And so you ask, and them, uh, let me finish that. She has enough
0: sense to know that they would lose and they dismiss the case. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he'll drop it. The right. prosecutor, he or she, will drop it. Mm-hmm. So they identify it. They talk about it's relevant. What's on it? Uh, mm-hmm. What's and on it's relevant. Uh-huh. So you, this and the, and what
1: they'll say is, on this particular day at this time, I was at the concert, and I saw an officer, um, you know, uh, for whatever reason, uh, arresting these people that I had just been sitting next to, and they weren't intoxicated. They were just having fun and laughing, and we didn't understand what was going on, so we started videotaping, okay? Mm-hmm. So that tells, that's a legitimate reason for them to have done it, not to get back anybody, but this is what it is. This is time. This is why I did it, Okay. And mm-hmm. why is it relevant? It's relevant because it, was exact, it had everything to do with why this person was arrested for mm-hmm.
0: uh, unjustly for public intoxication. Yeah. It it's, uh, goes to what's going on. It's mm-hmm. relevant to this case. Okay. And then you establish a hearsay exclusion or exception. And so, so it is an out-of-court statement to prove the truth of the matter
1: asserted. And so that is hearsay. Mm-hmm. So why, why would it be able to get around hearsay by this person? Lots of different reasons it could come in. First of all, it's the actual, it, it's showing exactly what happened at the time, but um, it is a, uh, I guess, would it be the deponent statement? It, it could be that person is mm-hmm. actually talking on the video mm-hmm. an excited utterance. If there was people, if the person that was in the video was was saying, stop, what are you doing? I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know what you're doing. That would come in for that reason, or at least those statements would come in. Um, present sense impression, of course, it's a present sense impression. It's, it's exactly actually recording what it. was going on yeah. at the time. So um, it could be a statement against the interest of the state because the officer is saying something that's completely different from what he said on his report or mm-hmm. what he's trying to testify. To mm-hmm. there's a lot of, but more than likely, if you got an actual uh, video of something or a, a photograph, it's going to come in because it's it's evidence that's relevant and it's gonna, you're going to get past that hearsay exclusion in a second because the identification, the relevance of it, and it's the best evidence. It's the actual. It's actually showing
0: what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so then after you get past that, uh, you know, uh, the prosecution will object that it's hearsay, but Tony just discussed. Yeah, if they say, oh, um, that didn't happen. You can say, um, I'm going to impeach that. That's I can
1: show how it really did happen. And then that's that. Then in the south, the judge is going to win because the judge wants to see.
0: Right. Everybody wants to see what happened. Mm-hmm. And so then you offer the exhibit into evidence, mm-hmm. and you respond to the objections. If the exhibit is admitted, return it to the witness for further testimony. So you've got your witness on your stand, mm-hmm. the the exhibit has been admitted admitted, and then you begin to question the witness about and this the is video. Why
1: in the in all those shows that you see on TV, that. Um, the the legal shows the murder mysteries where they're saying um, the we don't the, the we don't want, they don't want the video to come in they don't want the a lot of times confessions can't come in because you have the right amendment for that's not to come in but a lot of times people don't want the actual video to come in and they're doing everything they can to not to not lie on the stand the person that doesn't want it in because they don't want that evidence to be shown mm-hmm. okay but more than likely if they're lying about it you just have to listen really closely to what they're saying it's gonna come in. Yeah. The evidence is going to come in,
0: so. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so y- you get your exhibits in, and, um, you know, there are some other issues about uh, there are documents that are just self-authenticating. You don't have to lay this whole foundation for them. Uh, domestic public documents sealed and signed. There are domestic public documents not sealed. Foreign public documents, newspaper, periodicals, things that uh, people generally will, readily acknowledge that that's that's a real document you didn't go create that somewhere on your home computer right you now
1: now um self authentication you know, there's a, a few little things that are important about that like um I always think it, I I always think oh it's a public record will come in but you it's not that easy a public record and what we're talking about is a deed that's in the clerks record mm-hmm. or maybe something that's in the um the uh, you found a a judgment, let's Mm -hmm, say, Um, you have to get certified copies of those records. So the only thing is you have to go to the clerk or wherever you got it from, wherever the public custodian is, and just ask to get a certified copy. These days you can get it online. You can actually get certified copies of judgments and of the clerk's record just by literally asking it to be put into a basket and then you pay an extra fee for them to send over into your email, a certified copy stamp on it. It's that Mm -hmm, simple. mm -hmm. You don't have to go down and wait in
0: line anywhere. And make sure you bring three copies of that if you're going to introduce it because you can't just have your one copy. Well, you have the one copy that comes in has to be the certified copy. And a lot of times
1: you may not, you're digging around for it and it's all you've got, but you have to make sure um, that laying the foundation and the proper protocol to get an exhibit in, you have to, show it to the other side so they can make objections before it is admitted. So so introducing the exhibit, and and this is going to be like the real quick one instead of using our little cheat sheet that we have here. Basically, you know you're going to use that exhibit. A lot of times you can't use trial exhibits unless you've you've used the proper discovery protocol and um, you've given within a certain time frame the other side, whether it be the state or, or the opposing counsel, um, a list of the exhibits that you're going to use because they've asked for this specifically in discovery. And a lot of local rules require, too, that you tell them up front, these are the exhibits that I plan to introduce, and here's a copy of the exhibits so you can look at it to have your objections up front so you can't surprise them. And it helps things move along a little bit quicker. In federal court, you've got to give them a full copy of the whole exhibit three days in advance of trial. It's a little bit different from state. But when you have discovery rules, you have to actually tell them far in advance, I think it's like 30 days, you have to tell them in your disclosures what you're going to use as your exhibitor, you can't use it. Mm-hmm. They can say, I asked for it, they didn't give it to me. That doesn't apply to impeachment exhibits, though. If they come in and they lie about something, you don't know they're going to lie about it, then you you can bring a witness in, an impeachment witness in that was never disclosed because you didn't know they were going to lie about it. Right. You, can bring, you can bring exhibits in, but it has to be authenticated if you use it. And the self-authenticating documents are... Domestic public documents sealed and signed. Domestic public documents not sealed. And those are going to be um, documents that are like in the clerk's file, uh, divorce decrees, deeds, that kind of thing. Uh, Foreign public documents are going to be like divorces that occurred like um, in a different jurisdiction. They're called foreign, but it's not like from Mexico. It's like in a different state, like if you got a divorce in Nevada, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Certified copies of public documents. Official publications can come in without any certification. So we're talking about um, what would be an official publication? Um, if you've got uh, the Department of Public Safety rule book. Um, and everybody uses it, You can use that in your DWI trial if you're representing yourself to say, aren't these the, the, the types of things you have to to do in order for this to be an appropriate test? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, newspapers and periodicals. So you can use a, an article from the Chronicle or from the New York Post that comes in automatically. You don't have to get it certified or anything. Trade um, inscriptions, um, acknowledged documents that are notarized. So, it, but but there's some rules against that uh, with that too. If you get a notarized document. You also have to comply with not just that it's self-authenticated, but that you follow the rule of, of it being at a, a proper notice. So it could be that your local jurisdiction has a notice requirement that you had to tell them like 10 days in advance mm-hmm. if you're going to do it like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't just get to admit that unless it's for impeachment purposes. Uh, commercial payment, business records accompanied by affidavits are a really big one. If uh, you're trying to get your homeowners associations um uh, uh, some kind of a an amendment in or the like. or you're trying to get your medical records in mm-hmm. or your psychiatric records in? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to get an affidavit with it that certifies it's authenticated, so you don't lie about what's in there. And you also have to use a, a business record uh, notice rule, at least in Texas, in the state that they've had that on file for 14 days. So before can, trial, before trial. But that's only in state court. It's a little bit different in JP court. It's a little bit different in federal court. Uh, if it's for impeachment purposes, it's going to be different, too. But that's how you authenticate it. So those documents can come in. Okay, Now, I know that um, uh, our station manager, Dick, has just told us we have five minutes.
0: Is that for the whole show? hmm Oh, my gosh. Tell us about laying the foundation. Okay. So general steps, when you want to lay the foundation, the witness identifies an exhibit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Miss so-and-so, what is this in my hand? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's my diary. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Establish the witness's familiarity with the exhibit and how the witness is familiar with the exhibit. Mm-hmm. So, Miss so-and-so, please tell us how you know this is your diary. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because I bought it and I recognize the flowers on the cover and I see this it's my goes handwriting. This we were talking about before introducing the exhibit. This is going to show, because they'll
1: always object. They didn't lay the proper foundation. That exhibit can't come in. So we were talking before about having to lay the foundation for admissibility. This is that little sidestep on how to get that exhibit in. You're laying when you're asking about the identification, the authentication, what's on that thumb drive. This is how you
0: do it. So we really already covered this, but
1: only but, but not to the specifics. So we covered it. But the witness identifies it. They establish the witness familiarity. They uh, you ask the witness. Um, any further questions needed to establish its authenticity mm-hmm. as an exhibit, and then you ask the witness any further questions to establish its relevance. This does go toward introducing the exhibit, so you have to lay that foundation. Okay, so uh, we were just talking about the, the business, business record rule in the state of Texas and the Texas Rules Civil Procedure, mm-hmm. 8036. Tell us about that.
0: Okay, 8036. Mm-hmm. Um the record. What you're trying to establish is that the record was made and kept in the course of regularly conducted business. So activity. you're trying to get
1: in uh, to keep your kids in a child custody case that you're, um the ex the potential the uh, estranged spouse that wants the kids is a psychomaniac mm-hmm. and he's gone to a psychologist. You've gotten those records and the psychologist has said this guy's a sociopath. Should never be around kids. How do you get those in? They're going to object. Not authentic records. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there are two ways you can go about it. You can have the person at the uh, mental uh, counseling center or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. answer some questions that say these are records that are kept in the regular you, course you've of business. You subpoena
1: them and ask them to come to trial or bring the records, and you know what they're going to say. The other side desperately doesn't want them in. Mm-hmm. They're there uh, subpoenaed, and so you now you're going to try to get these records in, and they're going to be objecting all over the place. So the first thing you
0: do is, one, what is the first thing under the business record? Well, you well, we show them to them, get them mm-hmm. to look at it, talk mm-hmm. about, you know, why they're relevant. And mm-hmm. then the next thing that we do is ask them, was it the regular practice of the business activity to make this record right. that you're looking at? Mm-hmm. It's a medical record. And also, the time that the medical record was made is important. Mm -hmm. So, we want to establish that the record was made at or near the time of the event that it recorded. It wasn't done like 10 years ago, and then then they're making stuff up. So, that gives it authenticity. going back and Mm -hmm. writing stuff
1: that they didn't record. Like, oh, yes, I'm just going to put this in my medical statement that I think uh, he was really uh,
0: crazy, but they wrote it 10 years after they saw him. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, then we asked them, to affirm that the record was made by or from information transmitted by a person with knowledge acting in the regular course of business. So, in other words, the ma- the house cleaning people in the evening didn't come and write this stuff. Right. And the reason that we're telling our listeners this under the business
1: record 8036, the Texas Rules of Evidence 8036, and you can Google that, is if you don't follow these specific steps when you're asking about getting these records in, then they'll say that was improper foundation, that you have to use the exact four methods here to get right. those records in. This is like the biggest thing that people can't get these. They're just screaming because they're trying to get records in showing this person's a danger to our kids or this person, um, you know, they're lying because we've got records showing otherwise that are our, our actual records showing that that their bank records, for an example, that they they wrote all of these checks to uh, they've lied about money that they got in as income. And, uh, and we have records showing that they've committed fraud, but we can't get the records in unless you lay this specific foundation. Mm-hmm. Because obviously the bank records aren't going to lie. The medical records aren't going to lie. A third party that has no reason to lie has documented this. You've got to get those records in using Texas Rules of Evidence 8036. These four things that we just told you are critical for
0: laying the foundation to get your exhibit in and win your case. Okay, Tony. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. What do you think we should continue this next week? home. We can talk about getting uh, c- continuing to get exhibits in, questioning. To get your evidence
1: in to win or defend your case is really, really important. And listeners, if you have any questions, Facebook us so we can cover those questions next week. Right. If you've been on your own or have some questions on a trial that may be coming up that you're that we're not covering here, and you're afraid because we're attorneys and we do it all the time, we
0: may not be answering questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, have a good week. We, thank you for listening. We want you to remember, particularly during Holy Week, to serve God by serving others. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for checking out this show on Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. This show is owned and produced by Lone Star Community Radio and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. For more information about the show, to be a guest or to sponsor, just contact the studio at 936-647-3776 to leave a message or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com.